0: I want to draw your attention to the book of James, and so if you could turn your Bibles to James 1. And we're going to talk about something that has been on my heart for quite a while, and it's the word of wisdom, and to know wisdom and not to be a fool in our actions. And so as we dig into the word, there's a lot in in it that we have to discover and we have to see what God has for us. The thing about it, before we start this sermon and before I pray, I want you to know that every one of us has a foolish trait within us. It's just something that it does. It's not very hard to come by, but we do foolish decisions. We have foolish actions. And if it doesn't always come out in the outward appearance, we know that inside some of the thoughts of our hearts and our actions within ourselves can be very foolish, selfish, self-seeking, and all those things. So I want you to know this morning that I will preach hard, as I always do, but the truth of the matter is is that you're not alone in your journey, what we call this thing called life. We are in it together. Cornerstone Church is not about a church that we think that we have received a truth and that we know it everything, we know all, but we are learners and we are learning uh, the counsel of God as we walk this life. You see, there will be one day when life ends and I won't worry about my knowledge here or even the wisdom I have because when I get to heaven, I'm going to be complete. And those that know Christ Jesus, you will be complete. There will be no mysteries anymore. There will be no afterthought, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more tears to be cried, except for joy, I believe, that we will be with Him. So together, let's pray as we get into the Word. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. I thank You for the worship that we've already had this morning. But Lord, as we enter into the worship of listening to Your Word, being a doer of the Word and not just a hearer, Lord, we look to You, Christ Jesus, that You would illuminate this Word so that we can actually live it. Because Lord, if we don't understand it, we have a hard time living it. So I pray today that You would stamp Your Word in our heart by the power of Your Holy Spirit And I thank You today, for not only for the worship, for the Word, but also that we are going to be baptizing people today. God, we rejoice in what You are doing in the hearts and lives of Your creation. Thank You, Jesus, for giving Your life for us, that we can be free, that we can have joy today, and that we can hear from You. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. So as we start in the Word, in the book of James, if you weren't here last week, we opened up the book. Um, and the author is, was, the, he was the head of the church in Jerusalem. He was the brother of Jesus. Then we discovered last week that that's not why he was the leader of the church Uh, although it would be cool to be Jesus' brother. But James was called, and it starts the letter out saying, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say anything about being the brotherhood of Jesus. He just straight goes into Jesus being Lord of his life. And so that's who the author of James is. Then he's writing this letter to a group of Jewish believers Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad that happened in uh, Acts 8 when the dispersion took place, when great persecution took place, and really the message spread because of persecution. And so James is writing to these believers and he is encouraging them because we'll later find out, Later on in the series, is that they are a a group that has been oppressed by the wealthy and rich all over the Roman Empire and in different areas. And he's encouraging them to stay the course. And so I asked the question last week what is the book of James that was written in A.D., uh, a long time ago, not too far after Jesus, 48 to 52 A.D., what does it have to do with us today? If James was standing in our midst, I'm wonder, well, what would he say to us? And I believe this is what he would say to us. Keep on keeping on. Put your trust in Christ Jesus. And I, I know James would say, you know, I realize that you Americans, um, if he was to come over here over the boat or over plane, right? Uh, come over here and say, you Americans, I realize that you're not totally persecuted, but I realize you have this thing called anxiety which strikes about 50 million people in your population. And he would probably say to us today, hey anxious one, you can put all your trust in Christ, he will hold you and he will keep you, through it all. And so James in the first couple of scriptures says, count it all joy when you are facing various trials. And I don't know about you, but I'm not very joyful when I go through suffering. Actually, I go into this reverted state of a five-year-old hitting my bed and saying, Lord, why? Why me? And then he brings me up to these scriptures, and he says, count it all joy, my son, that I have a purpose for you, that I'm working out your sanctification. Sanctification is a big word, and so let me just kind of put it in our language today. It's being made like Jesus, simple. He is forming us into the image of His Son. And so we find ourselves today in uh, verse 4 through 8, and I'm going to read and I'm going to break down the Scripture, and I'll try to go quick, because I know you want that. And so let's do it. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask with faith, in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. If you see in verse 4, he says, the purposes of your trials is that you would have endurance and let the endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. And I don't know about some of you men in this room, but I wonder about my maturity and my completeness at times. And it seems like within our society that the man is later and later on in life he's coming to maturity. And some of you youngins, as we'd say down south, or chitlins, however you want to say it, you would say I know everything. But if you ask somebody what I call the gray hairs this morning, and that's out of respect, because the Bible says if you got gray hair, you have some wisdom they would actually say, you know what, the more I live, the less I know. And so, no matter where you're at, if you know everything, or you know nothing today, God is working something out in us. And for me, it was a revelation. I was sitting around with some brothers in Turkey, because we were missionaries in Turkey, and we were sitting around talking, and I was 39, they were, I think, 38 And we all sit around and look to each other and say, guys, it's time to man up. And I don't know how holy that moment was except I felt the presence of God speaking to all of us and it wasn't a prideful state. It's time for us to lead. It's time for us not to just sit back and always be told what to do. It's time for us to, to what all God has imparted over into us over the years, it's time for us to take it to others. And I remember that aspect because you see, my father was a pastor and he walked away from the pastor when I was 14. And that was hard. So I didn't always have a, a father figure, or actually I did after I come to faith, but at the time I didn't, and I didn't always have the most wisdom and the greatest of knowledge, but God had always been a good, good father. And I can't explain it, but when I gave my heart to Him, something came in and renewed, and, and, and something changed to where I became a a child of God and I began to walk on the path of maturity and completeness, but lacking nothing. But James says in verse 5, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. So that means there's something lacking in all of us. But here's the deal. James is writing to the church who is under trial... And he's saying that you need wisdom in the midst of your trial. And if we're honest today, how many of you have made some foolish decisions when you've gone through a hard time? You see, I've been told in life that don't make any life changing decisions while you're going through a trial. Now, there are times that you need to, if that trial is because of a dangerous situation, you need to make a change. But let's not try to get out of our trial. Let's try not to run away. You see, us as Americans, oftentimes, we want to run. We don't want to face trouble. We want to say, let it go. I want to be whole and I want to be happy. And the point is is that we can be happy. I want you to know this, that you can be happy in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trial. It doesn't mean that the circumstances are happy, but you can be. But listen to this. It says that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously and ungrudgingly. Now here it says in different translations that God will give wisdom without reproach or find fault. So I want you to know if you are lacking wisdom, that you are not going to have a father who you are asking for wisdom to say, how dumb are you? Why don't you have the wisdom to get through this situation? Instead, God says, come, and and He's going to give it to us. How many of you have had that time... I have. You've sought wisdom and counsel from others. And you realize that maybe they had good counsel and good wisdom because they are wise and knowledgeable people, but then you felt this condescending attitude come right behind it. And then all of a sudden, I've had a few in my life. All of a sudden, they they begin to look at you differently and All you were doing was asking for wisdom. All you were doing was asking for input. That's sad. That's very sad. But I want you to know that God the Father, the Creator of all things, He doesn't do that. Instead, we see here in Scripture that I think this delights His heart when we need the wisdom because it says it will be given to Him. Let him ask in faith without doubting. And let's go real quick to 1 Kings chapter 3. And one of the greatest, he is the greatest and the wisest king that walked the earth. Even greater and wiser, I believe, than his father David, King David, because there was peace under his reign and King Solomon. If you're not knowledgeable about the Bible, Solomon wrote proverbs the book of ecclesiastics the song of solomon and he wasn't always probably the wisest guy and he made some really bad decisions later on but it's uh first kings chapter three verse five and then we'll skip to seven through twelve at gibeon the lord appeared to solomon in a dream at night god said ask what i should give ask what should i give you And Solomon replied, and I'll skip to seven, Lord my God, You have now made Your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among Your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered and counted. A people who can bite back Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. Never mind. Inside joke for the church world. Because we bite back quite often. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern pe- uh, between good and evil. Who is able to judge this, greatest, this great people of yours? And so he goes and God says, Hey, ask me anything. You know, almost like I'm a genie in a bottle. Ask whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And Solomon has the audacity to ask God for wisdom. How to lead a people. And the youth, as we are sharing this story, in the youth group, one of their favorite stories, and we all know this, is when Solomon had a baby brought to him. And there were two women and one baby died at night. And there were two women, they brought that baby to to um, Solomon and says, hey, this baby's mine. This one said, this baby's mine. And Solomon had the audacity to say, let's cut this baby in half. It's pretty crazy. Is God supernatural wisdom. And one lady says, let's do it. Let's cut this baby in half. The other one says, no, my king, don't do that. Let the baby live. And Solomon knew that this lady, it was her baby. I got ahead of myself because here's what God says. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked for discernment for yourself to administer justice. I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. And why do I share this story of Solomon with you? Because it shows us the character and heart of God. It, James knew who Jesus was personally, but as a Savior and as a Lord. And he knew that God would give his children wisdom. And I don't know about you, but we have a saying down south that you can be dumb as a box of rocks. And oftentimes, i found myself that way. Actually, you may not know this, but I'm going to tell myself just real quick. I had people write my term paper, or I didn't go to college. I had my people write my essay paper for me my senior year. I had my twin brother writing a fake report for me to pass English. I never read my first book until I got saved at 20. And the first book was Prince and the Pauper, one of the greatest books ever written. It was a great book. You see, I can find myself needing wisdom quite often. Finding myself needing God's guidance and His supernatural wisdom. And i this is one promise in the Bible that I can hang my hat on and say, I know if God, if I ask the Father for wisdom, He is going to give it to me. And I rejoice. And I think this delights the heart of the Father. And you see, sometimes some of us look at God as a hard taskmaster. As somebody that sits back wanting to just wait to judge His people. And I want you to know the judgment laid on Christ Jesus when He died on the cross for us and defeated the grave when He rose again. And that is the Gospel truth. And so, if you could turn to Proverbs 2 with me real quick, and I... Want to read this to you because it's rich. And I remember people telling me in the discipleship school that I went to, they're telling me how good the book of Proverbs were. Read a proverb a day, you're going to be wise. Well, I was pretty young in the faith. And I remember going to the book of Proverbs and getting to about the third, the fourth chapter, and I was like, this makes no sense to me. Way over my head, I don't care what others say, this book isn't full of wisdom. But then I asked the Lord, I actually, because I was desperate for Jesus to move in my life, I asked Him, say, Lord, I don't understand anything about the book of Proverbs, but you say there's so much wisdom in it I want to ask you that you would give me eyes to see and wisdom to read. And I kid you not, the next day I woke up, supernaturally, I began to read the book of Proverbs, and every part, every verse began to make sense. I don't know how, but I do know who. So let's listen. What we should do for wisdom. Wisdom. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And as the book of Proverbs keeps going on, it says that we should seek for wisdom as we seek for gold. And we should actually look for it, long for it, pray for it. And the cool part about it is when we do, God will give us the wisdom that we need. And I want you to know today that there are some of you that are going through great trials, temptation, or even suffering, and you need the wisdom of the Lord to give you the answers to get through. And I want you to know that today, at the end of the service, we will have the elders here to pray. And you can ask for this. That God would give you the wisdom that you need. Because see, there's, not all, there's two kinds of wisdoms. So if you could turn back to James and go to chapter 3, we're going to skip there real quick is there's two kinds of wisdom. There's an earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. I would like to call this the earthly wisdom. And do you guys know this, and I want to say this because it's true, and it really hits my heart, is wisdom is an applied knowledge. Okay, Knowledge in itself is nothing until you apply it then it becomes true wisdom. You see, a true follower of Christ does not only have great knowledge of the Word, but is also a doer of the Word that's why we're in the book of james for the beginning of the years that we wouldn't just be hearers that we would be doers because i am concerned for the church today because i promise you if you're not a part of the church just kind of hold on to your seat just for a moment but there is a a travesty in the church that we sit around and we do a lot of bible studies we do a lot of talking but not as much doing and that is not becoming of a disciple of christ We need to be doers of the word as well as hearers. And so it goes on to say that there's two types of wisdoms. There's also a supernatural wisdom. But I want to look just for a moment at earthly, demonic wisdom. And it scares me to say demonic wisdom because that's a harsh thing that he's saying. But let's read James 3, verses 14 and 15 and 16. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambitions, there is disorder in every evil practice. And so I want to share with you this morning and it takes a lot more time than what I am going to take this morning. And some of you are saying, yes. Because it could take a long time to break this out. But I want to make it very simple and apply, applicable to our lives. Is I want to ask you this morning, how is your wisdom? And how are the decisions that you are making? And here's the hope for us. Remember, I began the the sermon with saying, all of us have foolish traits. And all of us at times do unwisely things, even mature believers. So you new believers, you're not alone. But it says this, if you have bitter envy, and that word envy, some uh, translations say jealousy, it's not really holds the true meaning because the thought is not of hostile envy of other people's gifts or affections or their cars or houses or their knowledge, which our word jealousy implies, or envy, but it has a much worse meaning. There are those who are quick on the draw, more than ready to fight for their rights, and easily prepared to feel that they are in some way threatened by others. It is more the sharpness of spirit in personal relationships. This over-concern for one's own position, dignity, rights, or whatever. That's what James has in mind. How How many of you find yourselves when you are pressed or when people come across your way or in personal relationships, one of the first things you say, my right. This is about me. This is about who I am. Now you are telling me something. So what I do in relationships a lot of times is then I start to build a fence around me and say, wait a minute, you are infringing on my rights. And if we're honest, then we become threatened. Because then we become known. And what happens when you become known is people get to know you. And I have a joke around here is that we strive for personal relationships with one another, but remember when you do get into those purposeful relationships, that then we begin to see the inside of one another and we're exposed. And being exposed can be a scary thing. That's why so many people go and hide. And they become their own they get on their own island, and I want you to know today that your own island is not wise at all. Actually, it's unspiritual, it's worldly and it's actually demonic. Because the church was meant to be the church, was meant to be together. And I have to admit to you that, that I'm not matured totally yet, and I lack some things, and I need help at times. And why do I say me? Because oftentimes I say me to make you feel better. But this morning I really mean us. And why I like this harsh word, it's not really harsh, it's actually pretty joyful. Why I like this word is because it puts my heart back into the center of where it needs to be in Christ. This isn't a total rebuke as we would take a rebuke. It's just saying, listen, are you envious and are you looking for your own rights? Are you looking for your own selfish ambition? And then I want to ask you, how is your life looking today? Is there a bunch of disorder in your personal relationships? Is there disunity in your relationships? Now, I admit to you that it may not be your fault. And I would ask for you to pray for those others in your life. But is it due to what you are doing and the decisions that you are making? Then I want to say this, the traits of a foolish heart. They do not listen to counsel. When others come and say stuff to them, they just ignore it. And Proverbs 10:17, don't go there, you can write it down if you want. But it says the one who follows instruction, who the one who follows instruction is on the path to life, but the one who rejects correction goes astray. So they don't listen to counsel. The second is they despise counsel. They despise counsel. Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I would say, be careful, because when you give wisdom to fools, sometimes they will turn on you, and that's not cool. It's actually pretty hurtful. Proverbs 23, 9 says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of Of your words. So I want to ask you this morning do you take the counsel from others? The third trait of a foolish person and a foolish heart is they are always concerned about themselves. Let me indulge with you just for a moment, and I say this a lot is that when we go through trials and sufferings, who do we think about first? Ourselves. Thank you. I find myself going to this little cocoon saying, poor little Pastor Jeremy. And my parents used to tease me that song that says, what is that song about uh, friends and worms? Woe is, I don't know what it is, sorry. But either way is, woe is me. What is it? No, what is it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. My mom and dad would tease me with that. So that tells you my disposition. Oh, poor Jeremy. That is the first thing we do, and that is the most unwise thing to do. And we talked about that last week. When you're going through trials, don't stop helping others. If anything, gird up your loins and help others even more. So let's go to godly wisdom. James thirteen three thirteen through seven seventeen through eighteen. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. So a wise person, he will have good conduct, will be a man of men, men and women of integrity, and they will show their good works by the gentleness that comes from wisdom. And then James skips to 17:18, and says, or I'll skip there, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So, you want to know how you're walking in true wisdom from above? Are you gentle? Are you bringing people together? And are you walking in integrity? You see, integrity used to mean something to our generation. And did you know now it used to be that pastors were the number one uh, trusted voice in society. Now they're down to number three. That's a sad part. And I think it has to do with maybe some selfish ambition within the pulpit. But wisdom from above is pure. So traits of a wise heart is they are pure. Their motives aren't for themselves. They're peace-loving. They love and seek peace among others. And I don't know about you today, but Facebook can get me pretty fired up. And so I choose not to respond to anybody That's wise. That's wisdom. Also, a wise trait is gentle towards God and man. Gentleness in their ways. Now, I will say this, that some of us at times, that we lose our gentleness. And we need to turn and ask God for help. Compliance. What do I mean by compliant? Because that's a big word in the translation of the Bible that we're using this morning. But really it means open to listen. Are you open to listen? A wise person seeks counsel. Um, I had a friend in Turkey and all you Alice House friends like my friend in Turkey. And I, would, I felt like I was giving him wise counsel. I would give him the knowledge that God had given me and and said, hey, you do this, some things. And he was a believer and he would never do what I tell him to do. And I feel like this was like keeping him and he's a Muslim background believer. This was like keeping him from destruction and some bad choices. I give him counsel and lo and behold, he'd call me the next day. And we're, this guy would give his life for me. And I, he would say, man, Jeremy, I'm in trouble. You're such a good guy, Jeremy. Look at your family. You're so wise. And I would just say, Attila, you're so dumb. You're so unwise. Bad joke. But I would, in a way, say, Attila, you're being very unwise in your decisions. I gave you counsel. And you chose not to do it. You see, a wise person, it doesn't mean you will do what others tell you. I want you to know that that just because you are open to listen, if God has given you a conviction and you have heard His voice within context of the church and of the Bible and the Holy Spirit, don't change your mind on your conviction, but be willing to listen. And I want you to know we take the greatest example from the Father who says, come and let us reason. And a wise person be full of mercy. And have good fruits in their life. They will be unwavering. Not double-minded as we see in chapter 1. And they will be without pretense or hypocrisy. You see, a hypocrite, and we're all guilty of it, believes something within his heart, but his actions do like otherwise. You see, that's unwise. And so what do we do when we are a hypocrite? We go to the Father and say, Father, I see some inconsistencies in my life. Will you help me? Because I know this isn't like you. And, but I, yet I run to it as a foolish heart But I look to you, would you help me? Would you give me wisdom? And so I want to encourage you today, as the worship team comes, I want to encourage you today that if you are going through something, that you have a Father in heaven that wants to give you wisdom. And I want you to know today that if you don't know Jesus, that you have every opportunity to turn to Him. And you see, a foolish heart says, I don't need Jesus. That is foolish. A wise heart says, I need Jesus. I'm going to run to Him no matter what this life looks like. And I am going to seek Him with all my heart. And so as we begin to end, I want to give you, and this is probably the hardest part of preaching, is some application to the sermon. So I want to give you some applied wisdom. It's really simple. Pray for wisdom. Pray. Do what the Bible says to seek wisdom with all your heart. And don't doubt. See, this is one of those promises, again, that you don't have to doubt. That that God is there and He is going to give you wisdom. And He's going to delight when you come to ask Him. The second I want all of us to do is to take inventory of what is going on in our life. What's going on? Do you need to change your attitude or your heart? You see, I find myself oftentimes when I get into this foolish traits and to this selfish ambition is that it can be as simple as a change of attitude. To get to the Father and say, Lord, I see these traits in me. Will You forgive me? And will You help me? Others, it is going to be a need to change what You are doing. Stop doing what You're doing. And the third for you wise people that have no problems, there's got to be some of you out there. It could be a good time of giving thanks to God for leading you in wisdom. So, if you could stand with me today, and what we do here at Cornerstone, if I could have the elders come, and what I want to do is that we do what I call response time. And we want to open this time up for you to get prayer if you are seeking wisdom. If you are going through situations in your life that you don't know how to deal with, come and get prayer. We want to pray for you and with you. So we're here for you. The second is is that if you don't know Jesus, I always want to give you the opportunity to give your heart to Jesus and to give Him your all. And I remember when I did this in 1996, oh, I was a mess. But when I came and gave my heart to Jesus, something began to grow at that moment. I wasn't perfect, and my heart began to swell, and I began to see things brand new. The mountains became the mountains, and the sea became the sea, and how beautiful it all is. It was because of redemption. So as we end this morning, we open this time up for you and for all of us to seek God together. So this morning as we end the service today, let's pray together and let's just ask God for supernatural wisdom. Father, I thank you this morning for who you are. And as we sing that song, Lord, it moves my emotions to say, Jesus, I am alive because you are alive. I have life because you have given me life. And Lord, I just thank you this morning, and I pray for all of us, that you would give us supernatural, godly wisdom this morning. Father, I admit to you, and and I know there's others that would agree with me, that oftentimes we do foolish things. And God, I thank You that You give us Your Word that allows us to see that and allows us to turn our hearts back to You. And so, Jesus, I do just ask You, Jesus, that You would forgive us for for broken relationships because of unwise choices. Or broken marriages because of unwise choices. Or lost jobs because of unwise choices and lost friendships. God, we ask that You would restore all things, Lord. And that we would walk in the wisdom and the grace that You give us, Lord. We look to You we cry out to You in Jesus' name. Amen.